are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Yes? What you doing? Oh, just notes. Is that... is that fanfic? If you mean a well-considered and logically cohesive alternate diplomatic plan that the Avengers could have used to resolve their civil war, then... Yes? No. What? It's notes for today's podcast on co-creating narratives for individual and social change. Aww. That's so much less interesting. I'm sorry you feel that way. Hello, friends. (laughs) As our lovable first officer has pointed out, today we are going to be picking up where we left off with the Westworld construct and exploring new ways that you can chart your own course. Explore your own inner worlds. Redefine the very nature of your existence. I'm talking, of course, about... Reauthoring your own narrative. Fan fiction. What? Well, before I enlighten you, first things first, uh, just a reminder to our friends at home, we want to be clear with our listeners that just because we are therapists doesn't mean that we are your therapists, unless we are. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Now let's go into our introductions. I'll start. Hello, everyone. I'm Justine Mastin, the Kirk of this particular ship. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed alcohol and drug counselor, as well as a yoga teacher. I am based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but travel all over the country, appearing at conventions, teaching yoga and speaking on geek wellness topics. And I am Larissa Garski, uh, the Spockian first officer of Starship Therapies. I am also a licensed marriage and family therapist. But I'm based in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm often the logical but more or less lovable sidekick to Justine. All right. um, Spoilers for today. Um, There aren't a lot of spoilers, but what we want to make sure to let our listeners know is that we are going to be talking about both Supernatural and OG Star Trek fandoms. So if you out there are new to these fandoms and or you are watching for the first time and you really don't want to know what happens on Mirror Mirror, <laughs> then I would say hit pause, watch Mirror Mirror, um, and then come on back. Well, here's something that is not a spoiler. Kirk and Spock are credited by fanfic historians as being the first slash ship. The ship that launched millions. The ship that we can credit with all the ships that followed after. But wait, wait, hold on. What is a slash ship? Do you mean like an actual ship with a warp drive? Um, I do not. I I mean a ship as in a relationship. Oh. If you are new, yes, if you are new to this concept, this is a very well-known and popular concept in fandom uh, where viewers ship their favorite characters together, meaning even if the writers did not canonically, by that I mean write it into the actual script, 
viewers have decided that this is a relationship that is actually going on. And a slash ship specifically refers to queer relationships. Ah, and so am I correct in ascertaining that we're talking about romantic relationships here? Oh, yes. Ah, okay. Yes, romantic relationships. Uh, and while, uh, while yours and mine, while our particular Kirk and Spock are platonic, I think we can all agree that the original Kirk and Spock were not platonic. What would you say that they were? I would say that they were in a long-term romantic relationship. Hmm. Fascinating. Hmm. While this is all very intriguing, though, I have to say that I continue to be a bit confused, Justine, because I really thought that we were going to be talking about rewriting personal narratives today. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I, I think I'm starting to follow you here. Um, we're talking today about rewriting narratives by fan fiction writers who decide that the narrative of the, of the source material movie, TV, book, whatever, that they got, those original writers got it wrong. And so then they rewrite the story using that universe and all those characters in their own voice to try and get it right, right? Yes. And also, I believe that we can write our own in real life fanfic. Or IRL, if you will. Yeah, or IRL, if, if one will. Uh, we talked last time about how the way we see the world is heavily influenced by the social groups that we inhabit and that we get to decide how we want to see the world. Well, here you go. Uh, we're just taking it to the next logical step. I do enjoy logic, Captain. I know you do. Um, but I'm concerned that perhaps um, some of your analytical thought is, is maybe a little at fault here or at the very least missing a few steps. Um, because surely you aren't suggesting that we have control over other people's stories or even lives. Well, we're all in each other's stories. So if we're changing one, then others will naturally shift as well. That's part of the organic process of social constructionism or the Westworld construct, as you remember from last time. But someone needs to decide to initiate the change or else nothing happened. Like the writers on Supernatural who keep not making Destiel canonical. And yes, I'm coming out with it right now, friends. I am a Destiel shipper, and I can back that up with science. Well, I think all of us here on the Starship Therapies are students of logic. And the only logical conclusion after watching the entirety of Supernatural is that Dean and Castiel belong together. <laughs> and their fated celestial union. Yes, I just did that. I punned. <laughs> is the way, the only way for Dean's personal monomyth to conclude. Mm -hmm. Oh, things just got very Jungian and oh. Joseph Campbellian in oh, here. I just love when we drop those two right in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. Yes. But looping back around to what you were saying earlier about needing to initiate change in the system. It sounds to me like you were perhaps talking about the system's tendency towards homeostasis. Rather, that systems prefer the status quo and will do almost anything to maintain it. Yes, but the status is not quo. And at a certain point, someone needs to say it. And that's what fanfic writers do. They see a show's homeostasis, like queer baiting for 
almost 10 years. Uh, <laughs> Such a long time. Haven't we so, waited long enough? We, we have waited so long enough. And I'm sure that Misha feels the same. I, I truly believe Misha is on our side. Um, okay, evident. and for those for those who don't know, Misha, I always forget his last name, Misha Collins. Collins. Yes, Misha Collins is the actor who plays Castiel on the aforementioned Supernatural series. Yeah, but the status is not quo. And at a certain point, somebody needs to say it. And that's what fanfic writers do. They, they see a show's homeostasis and they create change the only way they can. So when they see almost 10 years of queer baiting, they jump in there and they write their own stories. Um, like, like you did, Spock, with what, what was that again? I don't believe I shared that information with you, Captain. Oh, sure you did, Spock. What, maybe when you were a youngling? A youngling? This is important. We need to verbalize to normalize here, Spock. Ah, you cut me to the quick, Captain. That's, that's very true. All right. Um, so listeners, what our illustrious captain is referring to is that when I was a small child, a young Spock, if you will, <laughs> struggling with my identity as a human Vulcan hybrid, um, a, a I, a Spock like, well, I, I wouldn't use that, but mm, I know, <laughs> I know that Justine would and does. Um, so yes. So when I was young, we'll, we'll go with that. When I was young, I, uh, I wrote fan fiction. Now at the time I had no idea that it was called fan fiction. I thought that I was just, um, writing stories based on other stories that were really important to me and kind of fixing the problem or answering the questions that went unanswered. And as I'm sure will be a surprise to no one, um, the two fandoms that I wrote the most fan fiction about were uh, The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett and uh, the Goosebumps series. That's so beautiful. And logical. <laughs> <laughs> because what goes together better than The Secret Garden and Goosebumps? Uh, I am sad to share that I never actually united those two fandoms, but in retrospect, I, I think that would have been, a, you know the next logical step, if you will. Yeah, I think that had some <laughs> real potential for a crossover alternate universe. Uh, this, the secret goosebumps. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's great. Right. Because then Mary Lennox, Dickon and Colin will all battle um, monster blood <laughs> in a battle royale, right? <laughs> Oh, I am having so much fun, but I'm going to bring us back anyway. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. So clearly, as you mentioned, we can't just tell every character in the story of our lives how to behave. Right. Because they're not characters. They're people. Right. They're people. Um, but we can decide what we are OK with them doing or saying to us. And we're allowed to ask for what we need and let people know our own limitations. Like... How the narrative for femmes in our society is that we need to say yes to everything. And I think that's a real fucking tired trope that we need to retire. Agreed. And guess, yeah, guess what? We can, we can work towards fanficking that out of our own narrative. Ooh, I and, like what you did there. Right? Right. 
Yeah, because we obviously we can't control what other people say or do, but we can sure as hell let them know what's okay and what's not okay with us. Right. And we can control to, I mean, you know, to greater and lesser degrees, especially depending upon our energy. We can start to begin, I suppose, to learn how to control what we say and what we do. And we don't have to let other people's stories of us or the stories that we have gotten used to writing about ourselves become unchanging canon. We can fanfic the hell out of that shit. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I just swore. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just I'm like I'm 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 breaking out of my homeostasis. Ah, oh, it's because we introduced change into the system. Dang. And see, this is a great example of what happens, right? Where I wasn't initially about like the person who was changing. Perhaps one would argue that Justine was. But by making that step to change, that has an impact on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I hear this from my yoga students quite often because um, I, I work from a body positive and a queer positive perspective. And- Let's pause a second, though, because I bet that some of our listeners don't know what either of those things mean. So would you mind taking a moment to kind of define what both queer positive and body positive mean and, you know, whatever order speaks to you? Yeah, yeah, I would be happy to. Uh, So the idea with I really both queer positivity and body positivity is that all people are inherently good Mm -hmm. and our our bodies and our identities do not have uh some worth they need to define. Like we are all inherently worth the time and effort it takes to take care of ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we are constantly in love with ourselves all the time, as some uh, body positivity folks would have you believe, but rather that we're trying to find a way to live in harmony, in acceptance with our own bodies and our own identities. And so some of what I talk about in my work is how can you accept this body that you live in? How can you find some gratitude for what it does and how it serves you and how you're able to show up in the world, even when it's not perfect? Like right now, as uh, Larissa and I are talking, I have a raging case of bursitis. Oh, and and is it ever, folks? I know you, you can't see it right now because you don't you don't have the video. Monitor going. That's not really what podcasts do, but but I can. And there's a lot of hobbling happening. Yeah, uh, and for people who don't know, bursitis is it's just a, it's an inflammation around the for me the knee joint, mm-hmm. and I I am just hobbling and hobbling, and it's it's hard. It's hard to have a feeling of gratitude for this body that I live in when it's hurting me. Right, and uh, in some ways, it might be easier to write the story of. I am frustrated. My body is weak right now. It's not doing what I want it to. You know, why did I let it get this bad? What could I have done to change it? This is all my fault. I think we all know where this is going. This is going right down the shame narrative. And folks, Mm -hmm. that's a story that's not really going to help or serve us. Like, let's be real. That's the narrative that was completely at the forefront as soon as I started limping around and being in pain. Yeah. Because I knew that I had pushed too hard. Mm-hmm. And it took some concerted effort of taking a big step back and looking at this narrative that I was writing, this shamey, blamey narrative. Yeah. And 
And how is that serving me? Well, it's fucking not. It's no. not serving me. Mm-mm. It's and, making me feel sad. Yeah. And I, it's it's not helping me to move forward. So it's how incur- did you how did you fanfic that? I apologize. I interrupted you. No, that that's okay. You were excited. I was. I was so excited. You're excited <laughs> to have this conversation. <laughs> uh, but yes, so, finish your thought and then you can explain how you fanfic the shit out of that narrative, that shamey, blamey narrative. Yeah, so I was I was stuck in this shamey, blamey narrative. And what that was doing was it was encouraging homeostasis. It was encouraging me to stay in this shame spiral where no movement could happen, no change could enter the system. And I, lucky for me, I am a narrative therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you knew and it, as soon as you caught yourself going down this shamey, blamey storyline, you mm-hmm. paused and you thought, wait a minute, I can use the tool of fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can start asking myself if this narrative is the narrative that I want because I get to decide. And I realized this isn't the narrative that I want. And it's not a true narrative. I mean, it's... Oh sure did i did i maybe push my body beyond its limits uh, as i was exercising sure does that have to be a source of shame and and self blame no no what what it can be instead is a source of information as i move forward and it can be a source of gratitude which is very mm-hmm. hard to get to folks i i am not implying that this is where my brain went initially this this no. was after contemplation (laughs) Mm -hmm. of getting to a place of gratitude that for what my body can do and working towards a place of acceptance that, you know what, my, my body is aging and it's changing and it can't do things exactly the way that it used to. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think that you have really nicely summarized what, if I'm understanding you right, is kind of the the core message of both um, queer positivity and body positivity, because the message is let's embrace who and what we are right now. And let's mm-hmm. bring gratitude to who and what we are right now. And that is, I think, very subtly different than let's just stay where we are and not move. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of lean into homeostasis. It is shifting that. It is changing of itself because it's saying, no, let me bring gratitude for who I am and what I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and where we started. Yes. Where we started with this conversation was I was going to talk about my students, although I seem to have given a, a fairly good explanation of some of what I've heard from them uh, through my own experience. But just uh, to bring to it all back, the way back around, to bring it all the way back around. Uh, some of what I've heard from my students is that these are ideas that had never even occurred to them before mm-hmm. uh, because of the, the social groups that they inhabit. These aren't conversations that were being had. So the, the tropes, like the, the femmes always say yes trope, they didn't even realize they could opt out of it. They didn't realize that they are the narrators of, of their own lives and that they get, and they get to decide that like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to fanfic right the fuck out of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well said. And this is leading into a topic that we're going to get into in later podcasts. Um, but what this is kind of leading into is the idea that when you take that really radical step to change the story that you've been telling yourself about yourself, to fanfic your way into change and a new beginning, you are being an activist. You are being an agent of change. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a really powerful thing. We often think of activism, I think, as kind of broad strokes, you know, something that we're doing in large groups to um, affect large social change or constitutional change or legislative change. And let me be clear, all that is great and very much needs to happen right now, 2018. Um, but it is equally important and valuable, this change, this activism that we make in our daily lives. So that, that was, that was beautiful. Uh, everything you. that you just, that you just said, um, uh, I feel like sometimes you and I get, get very, uh, far out into space and maybe we, we need to just need to, you know, ring, turn, turn the runabout around. The yes. away mission is over. Come back to the ship. And really talk about how we can apply this new stuff with like, you yes. know, Bones and Scotty and whoever else. Right. So how how would you explain to our friends at home how to actually start to rewrite narratives? Yeah, um, I think that's a really great and important question. So I think maybe the first step that I often talk to, you know, folks about, frankly, clients is going to be starting to... Think about the ways that you talk to yourself. So you, your own internal monologue. Um, how are you talking to yourself? And bring some awareness, some curiosity to that. And if you find that maybe the way you're talking to yourself is a little judgmental, maybe it's critical, maybe it's biting, um, then the invitation there is to think, how can we rewrite this internal monologue? Um, and this is hard. This takes a lot of time and work in part because I think um, our internal monologue is very much formed and shaped by the ways that people have talked to us throughout our lives. Um, and so sometimes we need some extra help when we want to think about how do we how do we need to talk to ourselves. So I often encourage folks and I myself turn to um, characters that resonate with me in fandom, right? Like, how would that character talk to me? How do I think mm. that character would talk to themselves? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And the the voices that we hear in our heads, I, I want to be real clear with our listeners that Larissa and I are talking about those those parts of ourselves that organically arise. We're, mm -hmm. we're not talking about auditory you know, hallucinations. We're not talking right. about that. If you are right. experiencing full and auditory hallucinations, um, that is probably really unsettling and frustrating and you deserve and need help for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about just, we all inherently know that we have these different parts of ourselves that feel different ways and they're kind of always in this conversation with each other. Um, and you, I kind of think of them like the, the writers of the show that is my life. And they're, you know, they're all in the writer's room trying to decide what the story is going to be. And they all have a very strong view of what they want the story to look like. And there's no right or wrong answer, right? I mean, this is, the, the story is going to keep happening. Um, 
but there needs to be a conversation and there needs to be someone in charge. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Yes. And that is, you know, that is the authentic self. The authentic uh, you. So you get to, yeah. I mean, we are very much personifying um, emotional and cognitive states here, right? So to get kind of down to like literal brass tacks a little bit, what we're talking about here is we all have a lot of feelings coursing through our body and they want to be part of the show, right? They want to, they're telling us and giving us important information. But just like we don't want anger to take over and um, have full control of writing the story, we don't want anxiety to either or nervousness. We want all of these to contribute. But then we need a main person, um, the showrunner, if you will, or in this case, it's you. It's your most authentic self to listen to all these emotions um, and external perceptions that you're getting and then to decide, okay, this is how I want to approach this. And I want to use um, this information, characters from fandom and societal contracts that or societal constructs that actually resonate for me rather than tear me down to help me write a story that is going to build me up. Yeah. So when I'm having difficulties and I'm looking for, you know, what, what direction do I want to go in? I call on the, the characters that I see as guides, you know, kind of the, the, the archetype of the sage. So, I mean, Gandalf is a great example of that. You know, what would, what would Gandalf say? What would Yoda say? What would these great guides say? And so much of what they would say is putting it back on me to figure out authentically what do I think and believe. Mm-hmm. And that's that's such a, a great and useful message. Right. And they would probably be conveying that message in a way that was um, both compassionate and curious. Mm-hmm. You know, there there may be an element of it that is critical in the extent that they're inviting you to use kind of your own critical reasoning logic, if you will. Um, But they are going to be talking to you in a way that is fundamentally compassionate and kind. And so, you know, listeners, if you're having a hard time rewriting the way that you talk to yourself, a first step that can often be quite helpful is to think about, okay, who are those, those characters that are, that resonate for me, that are helpful and compassionate, that are the sages um, or kind of the, the wise um, leaders or teachers, and how might they talk to me right now when I'm struggling? You know, sure, Yoda might, like, throw a tiny stick at me. Um, but then, <laughs> you know, like, he's going to smile and he's going to say something, like, very nice and remind me that, like, yeah, I can do this. I can, mm-hmm. I just need to focus. And then I can, you know, raise my ship from the goop of the pond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he gets a piggyback ride. Yeah, and who hasn't wanted to give Yoda a piggyback ride? <laughs> uh, everyone. Everyone has wanted to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, friends, we hope that we have shined even a tiny light on the idea of writing your own IRL fanfic. And we would love to hear about your experiences, your struggles, your questions, your triumphs on our Facebook page. So please head over there and tell us about your experiences. So to our listeners, if you are interested in um, getting more info about the concepts and thinkers discussed today, um, once again, we talked about narrative therapy. Um, 
the work of Michael White and David Epstein. Uh, Maps of Narrative Practice is one of the many books that Michael White wrote and I think really elucidates a lot of these concepts, including reauthoring your own narrative in a very clear, concise, and humorous way um, using words much smaller than the ones that I uh, just used. Uh, you know, it's my homeostasis is, is Spock, and that's not a surprise to anyone. Um, we also talked about the Westworld construct. And if you didn't listen to um, Ep2, you might want to hit that one up because that's going to give you some more information about uh, that, social constructionism. Um, and I think that covers it for thinkers and concepts. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. If you ever meet him on the street, be sure to ask him about the socio-political message behind Toy Story 3. Tune in next episode, where we talk about externalizing the problem with gremlins. And as always, friends, live long and prosper. <laughs>